Packers fall to 4-5-1 after losing a very winnable game in Seattle. Packers have a long extended break, and with that said, the Unknown Packers podcast has their first guest of the 2018-2019 season, and that is Tanner Dunkel of Green 19. All this and more in Howdy Doody on tap. Stickers, 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 stickers. Howdy Duty on Tap is brought to you by Black Husky Brewing, the one and only sponsor of the Unknown Packers podcast. This week we have a very special guest, a big fan of his, Tanner Dunkel of Green 19 Packers. You can find him on Twitter at Green 19 Packers. Also check out his writing at Green19Packers.com, and that's the number 19. Thank you so much, Tanner for being part of Howdy Duty on Tap and the Unknown Packers podcast. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Give me a little bit of background. Obviously, I've been a big fan of yours, been following you on Twitter for a little bit, but I really don't know, outside of you being a Packers fan and going to college, and now I just found out your age, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about who you are. Yeah, I'm 20 years old. I'm a junior at uh, Wells College and. Uh, about an hour uh, south of Syracuse in New York, but I'm from Saratoga Springs, New York, which is uh, out near Albany. And uh, been a Packers fan my whole life. Uh, my father grew up in Michigan, uh, so uh, he uh, lived through the struggles of the 1970s and the 1980s with the Packers. And uh, he became a shareholder in the 90s, and my brother and I were both uh, born into being Packers fans, and we became shareholders back uh back when they had the last uh, selling of the shares in 2011, I believe. But big-time Packers fans, uh, I'm an English major, so that's kind of how I uh, got into writing about the Packers, something I enjoy, get my thoughts and opinions out there for any Packers fan that wants to read them. Awesome. And so were you born in Michigan or are you born in New York? I'm born in New York. My father was in the Navy. He uh, he was out here in New York where he met when he met my mother. So I was born in New York. Uh, so I grew up around a lot of Giants, Jets, Bills, Patriots fans. But there's actually a, a surprising amount of Packers fans in New York. So it's a, it's a large fan base. Yeah, we travel well. There's definitely uh, it's almost like an international vibe when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of your goals moving forward. You said you're an English major. Now, is it a goal of yours to do scouting? writing uh more specifically the green bay packers is this a hobby that you want to turn it into a profession yeah you know uh in high school one of my dreams was becoming a sports writer but um i play baseball in college so i'd like to uh, i'm also minoring in education and the steps to becoming an english teacher so teaching high school football baseball basketball something like that and becoming a high school english teacher with writing in my free time is really what I'd like to do uh, when I graduate here in the upcoming year or two. Well, very cool. Well, a, a little bit about me. I, I'm born and raised in Wisconsin. Uh, I was born in Appleton, which is about an hour, maybe a little bit less from Green Bay. My uh, grandfather um, had season tickets, and that's been passed on in the family. I sit in his seats that he sat at during the ice bowl. Wow. Which is pretty neat. And then I'm a sign language interpreter here in Milwaukee, 
And then kind of like you, when I was younger, when I was, I'm 35, when I was right out of high school, I majored in sports journalism. And my idea was to be some sort of, I don't know, color personality or journalist of some sort. And then changed majors and had to figure out how to make a living. And (laughs) um, my first language is American Sign Language. My parents are deaf. And so it just felt like a, like a good fit. Oh, yeah. Now, now I've got that itch of trying to do trying to diversify a little bit, branch out a little bit more, have a career, then on top of it, still talk about the Packers. And so that's where that idea came of how can how can we collaborate? How can we brainstorm on getting more opinions out there about the Green Bay Packers? And so a big fan of yours. Again, super excited. Let's get into Howdy Duty on tap. And first and foremost, uh, Packers moved to 4-5-1, and one, another missed opportunity. And I think that's not even debatable about what happened on Thursday. The one thing that sticks out in my mind is fourth and two. You're down 27-24 with about four minutes and 20 seconds left, and you got a timeout left, and you elect to punt it. And so I, I give me give me your thoughts on that. That's just, that's something that's kept me up since Thursday. <laughs> I haven't slept well, and so give me your thoughts on that. Uh Obviously, that decision really kind of pissed me off. But when McCarthy, I believe, I don't know if it was his post-game press conference or his press conference Friday, said we uh, we played the percentages. And that, to me, makes zero sense. Uh, you've got Aaron Rodgers. It's fourth and, or third and two, and he makes a bad pass. Uh, so you're kind of deciding we got one timeout left. Let's play the percentages. What's the percentage Aaron Rodgers doesn't pick up that fourth down conversion again? So, I mean, it, to me, that, that was – that was a head scratcher, and I believe Kenny Clark was uh, got hurt the possession before, so the defense was banged up all night, and Seattle was just running the ball down our throats all night. So I really, when we punted the ball away, I almost knew we weren't getting it back, and that's how the game was going to end. And the the time management time management throughout the game to have one timeout in that spot that's just it, it just shows how mis, uh, discombobulated the offense has been all year. I went through a wide range of emotions initially. One, the first was shock because I thought for sure they were going for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then second, I, I chuckled. I started <laughs> laughing because I thought, you know, it, the last couple of years, the noose has gotten tighter for Mike McCarthy and he's slippery and he's gotten away The run the table. That was the year you don't run the table. I think they move on. And maybe Kyle Shanahan is our uh, future head coach because he was the top candidate. So you're you're already about two years back on that process. I think regardless of what happens now, Mike McCarthy is going to be let go as the Green Bay Packers head coach. It just, I don't know if it was Mike McCarthy saying to Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy saying, hey, my star quarterback went down. We went seven and nine. I did the best that I can. Give me another year. But if you look back a little bit, Ted Thompson had secretly given Mike McCarthy a contract extension earlier in that year. Mm -hmm. So I think even before Rodgers went down, he had given him a contract without even announcing it to the public. So I don't know if that was one of those things where Mark Murphy kind of lived with that decision because Ted Thompson had done that. There were silos. Um, I'm getting a little bit off point, but more about Mike McCarthy. And for me, you got to realize that you're on the hot seat and that's the decision you make. That's exactly what I was thinking. I, I figured McCarthy would think, I'm coaching for my job. And it didn't seem like he was coaching for his job during the second half of that game. 
that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Well, and it makes me think too. Does he want to be out of Green Bay? Has he <laughs> is he fed up? Like I just don't. It, it's apparent now that Rodgers and McCarthy. That before it was more gossip. Uh, maybe they don't like each other, but. <laughs> Each week passes, and I, I just look at Aaron Rodgers, and I see a completely different quarterback, a, a completely different leader than what I'm accustomed to. So obviously, if you look at the stats, Aaron Rodgers had another great game. But am I am I completely off base to think that Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of blame, too, for this game? I think Aaron Rodgers has a little bit to blame. Uh, I think that Twitter was very vocal the other night putting all of the blame on Aaron Rodgers. And I don't, I just think that's completely, that's just ignorant to do that. Uh, We've seen Aaron Rodgers be Superman so many times that we expect him to be like that every single game. And Aaron Rodgers was, there were times the other night when Aaron Rodgers was unbelievable, unbelievable. And then he missed Aaron Jones on that, uh, didn't see Aaron Jones on that third down and made a bad throw to MBS on the third down. So that's what overshadows Aaron Rodgers' outstanding performance that was the other night. I believe he had a pass rating of like 128. And definitely uh, he deserves part of the blame. But you take a look at the NFL, outside of Brady and Belichick and Sean Payton and Drew Brees, quarterback, head coach relationships, they don't last 10-plus years. And McCarthy and Rodgers have. And you know, it's it's a it's a divorce waiting at the end of the year, I think. Yeah, I think I think the I, I can't remember where I saw it on Twitter, but it was a legal separation. They're both living in separate homes. Mm-hmm. They're probably like maybe Aaron Rodgers on the weekends takes care of the puppy and then Mike <laughs> McCarthy takes care of it during the week. But for me, the writing the writing on the wall has been there for a long time. And give me one more take on how you go up 14-3 in Seattle against that rambunctious of a crowd, you silence them. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Jones is dominant in the first half and then invisible in the second half. Another missed opportunity where if your job is on the line and you can hear all that clamor, why not put the ball in one of the most dynamic players, not only on the Green Bay Packers, but in the NFL right now in Aaron Jones? I, I'm still confused as to what Aaron Jones has done to Mike McCarthy to I, I saw something on Twitter the other day I think I believe Aaron Jones had 11 carries for 40 yards and Jamal Williams had one carry that's 12 carries between your running backs and Rodgers ran it a couple times on some pass plays when he couldn't find anyone but Aaron Jones was so dynamic and electric in that first half he he wasn't averaging the 7 yards a carry like he usually does but even catching the ball out of the backfield and to get away from him in the second half like they did is still mind-boggling to me. Three points in the second half, is that's just inexcusable. Like you said, you're up 14-3 right out of the gate, and Crosby missed a field goal. Um, but 14-3, you're up on the road in a tough environment. On a short week, on a Thursday night in Seattle, That that's a game you have to win. You can't, you, you can't lose that game. Vintage Green Bay Packers owner Mike McCarthy of probably the last four or five years where they continue to let games slip away. Mm-hmm, and for sure. If you if you dissect Brian Gutekunst's press conference a little bit on wh- why he 
let go of Ty Montgomery and why he traded Ha Ha Clinton Dix. It wasn't about sending a message, which it clearly is about sending a message. He's just being professional about it. But to to say it's it's a performance based league, and with performance, there's consequences. Mm-hmm. You got to pin that on Mike McCarthy too, and you got to pin that on Frank Signetti as the quarterback coach, Joel Philbin as the offensive coordinator. That's who you bring in for that last year of trying to uh, approve it year. That's who you bring in your, your old buddy at the supper club, your old buddy at the country club. I, I don't, that's where I want a younger, more offensive minded quarterback, maybe former quarterback uh, esque candidates when it comes to head coach, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach moving on a little bit. You had just done a piece with green 19 Packers on your favorite coaching candidates. And uh, you can check that out at green19packers.com. Once again, this is Taylor Dunkel as our guest on the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow him at uh, Twitter at green19packers. But give me your take. Obviously, you just did a piece, but give me your your top two favorite candidates, and then all the other listeners can check uh, the rest of your candidates out at your website. My top two. Like you said, yeah, I just wrote a piece. Uh, I wrote about four names. Like you just said, I want a young, innovative, offensive-minded coach. Look at what Sean McVay's done with the Los Angeles Rams and even Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. He's had issues at quarterback. But Doug Peterson just won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the way the league is evolving. So if I were to give my top two, in the article I wrote about, I really like Lincoln Riley from the uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, he's, there's been some rumors about him. I like the Browns looking at him, pair him up with Baker Mayfield again. The Cowboys hasn't coached in the NFL, but he's had that high-powered Oklahoma offense. I think he would transition extremely well to the NFL. The only issue there is he does he doesn't have NFL experience. But I think if he decides to make that move to the NFL, I think he'd be a great coach. Uh, second, I believe I had John DeFilippo from the. Uh, Offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, another, he was a quarterbacks coach last year with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Won a Super Bowl, uh, but his name is—he's going to be out there this offseason looking at head coaching jobs. Um, the other two I mentioned that ended up third and fourth: Josh McDaniels, uh, obviously a hot name, pulled out of the Colts job last year, uh, and Matt Lafleur from uh, the Tennessee Titans. Both offensive coordinators. Lafleur came from uh, the Rams last year. He was with McVay. Uh, and McDaniel's has been under Belichick forever with Brady. So I think all, all four of those names, if I if the Packers ended up hiring any of those four, I think that would do wonders for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense. It, it's a real sexy top four list. And I think that once Mike McCarthy's let go, I mean, that's the dream job. I think that Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy are going to have a plethora of internal and external candidates. I don't think, I don't think Mike Pettin, obviously he, he likes focused. He likes being focused as a defensive coordinator. I would hope that almost like what uh, John Lynch with the Niners, they'd already hired Kyle Shanahan and then they paired the GM with Kyle Shanahan. So my hope is that if they bring in a head coach, they, they keep Pettin there and then let Pettin do the defense. And then you have a young um, offensive coordinator, young qu- quarterbacks coach, and a young head coach. Um, for me, uh, uh, John uh, DeFilippo, am I pronouncing his name right, DeFilippo? 
That's how I pronounce it. Oh, I'm going to take that. So sure, yeah. The only, and he would be the guy, and I just tweeted about this recently this afternoon, he would be the guy that I would aggressively pursue just because of that, um, that, that backbone of experience of being a former quarterback for James Madison University, I believe. And then he also was the offensive coordinator for Johnny Manziel in Cleveland. And then... Um, obviously that blew up in his face a little bit, but if you dig deep, if you dig a little bit deeper, he was actually able to rein him, rein Johnny Manziel in when he was mm-hmm. in that huge partying identity phase crisis that he had. And so ate a little bit of humble pie and was then the quarterback's coach for Philadelphia. And last year you had Doug Peterson, former quarterback, Frank Reich as offensive coordinator, former quarterback, and then John DeFilippo, <laughs> I can't pronounce his last name as the quarterback's coach. And I would like that same approach in Green Bay. So for me, obviously a dream scenario would be uh, Johnny D is what I'm going to call him from now on. And then uh, the offensive coordinator, if, if, if we're able to pry him away, it, it would be a linear move. But Byron Lefwich, offensive coordinator for Arizona, I like him a lot, but I don't know what the Cardinals have with him if they're invested in him and Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that approach. Um, Josh McDaniels, yeah, I think would be an interesting candidate, and obviously, it, it would be enticing for him not to pa- not to pass up a Packers uh, job. But like you said, any one of those four, uh, Lincoln Riley, it'd be interesting if he could make that jump. Um, not a lot of uh, coaches have done that and have done that successfully. <laughs> yep. But with Johnny D, a little bit too, is would the so it's not a linear, it's not a lateral move. So they can't bar him from interviewing for a head coaching position. Correct. I believe that's correct. Yes. So only, they could only bar him from an interview. If we interviewed him for the offensive coordinator position. Yes, I think that's correct. So the only lateral moves, but any promotions, they can't uh, withhold them from interviewing. So maybe that's a possibility. Um, Do you think there's any chance? And I I already know the answer, but do you think there's any chance that, the Packers fire Mike McCarthy midseason? <laughs> if it were up to Brian Gutekunst completely, because the whole power structure there in Green Bay, it's really up to Mark Murphy, which I, that makes no sense to me. But so, no, he won't get fired midseason. And like, like I, I said, if the Packers lost to the Dolphins last week, if I were in charge, you can't keep McCarthy around. But he's, he's going to finish out the year. He will. Uh, he des- I think he deserves to finish out the year. But yet, I I really midseason moves are kind of thrown in the towel. It's I don't really see what comes from it, but I I would expect McCarthy to be let go at the end of the year, barring some deep postseason run where the Packers just roll off a bunch of wins. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, what are the chances now that the Packers make the postseason at four, five, and one? <laughs> I, I think we, we all agreed on this uh, the other day that that Seattle game was a must win. Mathematically, it wasn't. Uh, but you're at 4-5-1 and one right now. You got a week and a half. You're going at Minnesota Sunday Night Football. You got still got to go to Chicago. You got a tough Falcons team at home. Even the Lions at home late. Uh, then they have the Cardinals at home. They've got the Jets away. I, I just see no way the Packers win every single one of those games there. I don't see them winning at Minnesota. I don't see them really winning at Chicago. Um, I'd predict around a seven, eight and one finish 
maybe eight, seven, and one. Uh, but 10, five, and one is the only realistic way they're going to find their, themselves in the playoffs. And that's unless Aaron Rodgers does run the table part two, there's just, there's just no shot. Which is sad because I think for me, I've, I've almost gone through a, you know, just a very, for lack of a better term, and I hate using this word, but a, almost like a, a hot, cold, bipolar sort of feeling every week. One week I'm feeling really, really great about the Packers, and the next week I'm, I'm down. And and I and I'm typically not the type of person that is ever really pessimistic about the Green Bay Packers. I've I've always, I've always been strongly uh, vocal about Ted Thompson, Dom Capers. Mark Murphy and Mike McCarthy. Uh, I, for me, I felt like it was pretentious, arrogant, and ignorant on their part to think that the fans that were clamoring for changes didn't know any better. That we were just fans that because we didn't play football or because we're not in that war room or we don't know that structure, we don't know what's talking about. But week in and week out, you you do see a lot of fracture. And for me, I. I don't know how you clean that up. I don't know how Rogers, he's been like you said, Superman so many times for me, it seems like he's just kind of fed up. He's, he's dehydrated to the point where he, I don't even know. He, he respects Mike McCarthy because obviously McCarthy developed him or, you know, was the first mentor for him. But do you think at all, like there's any sort of outside of that, any sort of mutual, I see you, you see me, we're going to, you know, we're going to get through this together. Or is it already Rogers thinking, I wonder who my next coach is going to be. I think deep down Aaron Rodgers obviously would never say it, but I think he, I think he wants change. He knows that his time's coming. Uh, he says he wants to play deep into his forties. He's turning 35 early next month. He knows that his days are numbered, probably got four or five good years left. I'm not Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. He could probably play till. God knows when, but I think he knows I've only made it to one Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy as head coach. We finally got a new GM who seems innovative as a GM, and it's time to get a new innovative head coach for me. I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is thinking deep down, and Aaron Rodgers says that his and Mike McCarthy's relationship is they've, they've got a great relationship. Um I just, I just don't see it this year. It seems different. Um, the offense has struggled week in and week out, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Well, you had mentioned when we were messaging back and forth and setting up this interview, you had messaged, and we were talking about like what's going on, like what's going on inside Mike McCarthy's head, and <laughs> and you had mentioned that when you have Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers, you have three top ten at their position. I would even argue top five at that at their position. If I mean, obviously Adams is he's he's at record breaking pace right now. What he's doing, catching footballs one handed, his footwork, how he creates separation. And I was and I will admit, <laughs> I will admit when I was when I'm wrong. I was not a fan of Devonte Adams coming out of college. I was not a fan of him the first couple of years. I was vocal about it. But he also has transformed his body. He was a little bit heavier coming out of college. Um, and you could tell that he's put in the work, the dedication is there. I'm glad that he's proven me wrong. Also, another guy that's proving me wrong is Kyler Fackrell. 
Tell me a little bit about Kyler Fackrell. He's got better stats than Khalil Mack right now. Obviously, <laughs> Khalil Mack has missed two games. But is there is there a reason for hope outside, with Kyler Fackrell? Or is this just something where offenses don't really know who he is? And uh, give me your take. The thing with Fackrell is the rest of the uh, Packers outside backers, Clay Matthews, who I don't expect to be back in Green Bay next year, Nick Perry, I wouldn't expect I would expect the Packers to probably cut him loose of his contract. He's been a real disappointment. And then Reggie Gilbert, the Packers edge rushers are just not there. And Brian Gutekinds really didn't do anything to address that need. And I've always kind of said I've shown support for Kyler Fackrell on Twitter. Like, I don't get why everyone hates him. I think he's a solid backup, like a solid backup, not a starter, but he's playing like a starter. And I, he's made a couple of huge plays. And I think you can give a lot of that credit to Mike Pettin, uh, desi- designing certain blitzes. And um, But Fackrell really showed up the other night. And what's that, eight sacks on the year, something like that, more than Khalil Mack, and he's making – a lot less money. Um, but Kyler Packers really proved everyone wrong. And uh, I'm glad to see that he's doing pretty well. Yeah, there's silver linings all over the place. You look, I mean, obviously with Jimmy Graham and him breaking his thumb, he'll be out for a little bit. But that that gives the the ascension of the Phoenix, the, the Sycamore, Bobby Tanyan. And again, how you how you score on that, that beautiful throw from Rodgers to Tanyan, and then Tanyan should get an SB for his, uh, his celebration <laughs> dance. How do you not utilize him more? And that's the thing, like, I don't understand. You have you have these people that are just staring you right in the face and how you don't utilize them a little bit. I don't think, I don't know if Tanyan caught another pass after that. I think that was his first career pat, uh, reception right there was that, was that touchdown. But the tight end possession in Green Bay has really been, it's, been an issue for the last few years ever since Jermichael Finley's career ended uh short Martellus Bennett blew up in our faces and Jimmy Graham signed a big deal and he's I expected a little more out of Jimmy Graham but and Mercedes Lewis came in and I just don't really get the tight end position Lance Kendricks I don't I don't see why Robert Tanyan shouldn't be getting more opportunities why not I mean like I said, I said the other day on Twitter, Jimmy Graham's due to make a lot of money the next two years. And the whole thing about his deal was it was kind of one year and then yeah. wait and see after that. So he might not be here next year. That's a um, good point. That's a good point. And like and like I mentioned earlier, performances come with consequences. And so I think with Gutekunst, what he's shown and and I'm and I'm writing a piece. I, I'm also part of Lombardi Lounge, which is another little Packers group. And I, I've done some writing for them. And a piece that I'm writing on right now is more on the fact of Gutekunst and his leverage. Because, so he he was the top candidate for the San Francisco 49ers job. They were raving about him. They were he they had come out and publicly said that he was the top candidate. He withdrew, stayed with the Packers. So a little bit of leverage there. Then was with the Houston Texans at dinner. And yep. Mark Murphy's texting him, calling him, probably weeping in the corner like, oh my God, I'm losing him. And Brian Gutekunst leaves Houston, doesn't accept the job, or even if he was offered that. But I got to think that he was the top name in the NFL when it came to general manager or executive positions. So part of me thinks that he had to have leveraged something with Mark Murphy and said, all right, if 
if this is the structure, this I get X, Y, and Z. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. And Gutekinds was a really hot name, like you said, the last two years. And when the Packers were interviewing their GM candidates, I was really high on Elliot Wolf, who's now in Cleveland, probably just because of the name. But Gutekinds has really shown, with the whole power structure there, he said how Green Bay was his dream job. But if I'm offered a general manager job and Mark Murphy says, everything's got to be run by me, though, I'd be like, whoa. I don't, I don't know if that would fly with me, but that's how it's being run. But Brian Gutekinds is really, I think he's set himself up very well, uh, traded for a, another first-round pick next year. The Packers have are going to have a lot of cap space next year. I think he's really setting up himself very well for this offseason. And he, I think he's done an exceptional job making in-season moves like Bashad Breeland that Ted Thompson never used to do. So that's that's really what I like about uh, Brian Gudikins. I love it, and I sort of broke I broke up the what's next question throughout this episode. I sprinkled questions here and there, but as we wrap up, howdy doody on tap. Uh, give me your favorite memory. So, have you been to Lambo yet? I've been to Lambo twice. I my first trip to Lambo was the fifteen and one season. We uh, Christmas I was. I, uh, we got tickets to Lambeau Field. My parents surprised us with playoff tickets for the divisional game. Packers looking to go back-to-back Super Bowl champions, playing the New York Giants at Lambeau oh. Field. All my friends are Giants fans. And it was horrible. It was, but Lambeau Field is unbelievable. But the, the funny thing about my experience with the Packers is I've been to five Green Bay Packers games. My first one was in Buffalo during the Brett Favre era, era and the Packers lost that game. Second game was Sunday night football. The year the Packers won the Super Bowl in New England, Matt Flynn was quarterback. Aaron Rodgers got concussed the week before. My you were at that game? game? I was at that game, yes. Oh. But, uh, Who was that, that offensive lineman that took that uh, kick return? Or was that a yeah, Dan Connolly or something? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then my third game was at uh, MetLife Stadium against the Giants, and that was the year Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. So I saw Scott Tolzien, and then what was it? Who else did I see? Oh, yeah, last year I went to Green Bay and saw the, the Packers against the Vikings on Christmas Eve, and Brett Hundley was under center. Oh, nice. So I've seen Brett Hundley, Scott Tolzien, Matt Flynn. I've seen Aaron Rodgers once and Brett Favre once. I've seen all these other guys, but I've never seen the Packers win a game. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to make it to uh, MetLife Stadium when the Packers play the Jets this year. Oh, I believe nice. that's week 16. That should be a win. Uh, <laughs> but you never know when I'm there. So is uh, is Scott Tolzien the best quarterback that you've ever seen play? <laughs> Matt Flynn was really really good in that Sunday night game against the uh, Patriots. Came down to the wire. And yep. they, the Packers almost stole that one against Tom Brady <laughs> at uh, – at Gillette Stadium, but uh, there was some rough – I've seen some rough quarterback in play. The Brett Hundley game last year, I think it was like the Packers lost like 22 nothing or something like that. To the, that was bad. Yep. But yep. There's, no, there's nothing really like Lambeau Field. My father always raves about it. He used to go once a year with a bunch – take a bunch of guys out to Lambeau Field. And I've been twice now, and it's just – it's breathtaking. It's unbelievable. There's something that Lambeau does to me where it's like an out-of-body experience. And I go every year – um, I usually go to one game, sometimes two a year, depending. 
And I've been going since I was uh, since '92. And my first memory, I was at a a preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know, I'm I'm nine years old. The Packers had just signed uh, Ron Wolf, had just uh, hired him as their general manager. And I and I know his first name was Robert, but I don't know his last name. But he was an offensive lineman for Lombardi back in like the Super Bowl era days. And he went to the same church as me when I was when I was a kid in Appleton. And so we bumped into him outside of Lambeau Field and he grabs my hand and he's like, come with me. And so we're running in the parking lot and we pull up against or we stop at this real small. I don't know. It was like a Miata, maybe like this small red sports car. And in the car was Sterling Sharp. And wow. he had just signed that big time, like 10 year contract, but he had just, I want to say that he had knee surgery. I think he had knee surgery. So he didn't play the preseason game was in crutches. Normally never interacts with any sort of fan or the media got up, recognized the guy that I went to church with, um, signed my program. All these people flooded his car and he literally like people were like blocking him from like driving off. He literally gave no fucks whatsoever, <laughs> got in his car and just kept driving, probably ran over a couple of people like their toes or something like that and sped off. But that was my first memory as a, as a Green Bay Packer fan. And honestly, my favorite memory, I would say, is I went to the Snow Globe game against uh, uh, against the Seahawks where we were down 14 nothing. Oh, in the playoffs really? of Favre. Yep. And uh, Ryan Grant had fumbled a couple times, and then we fed the ball to him a bunch more, and I think he ran for almost like 150 yards. And oh, he was unbelievable besides the fumbles, yeah. <laughs> but it was something – that game was always magic because then we ended up going to the NFC Championship where we – um, eventually lost to the New York pesky giants. Um, but I think that, like you said, there's something, there's magic in the air when it comes to Lambeau field. And as I wrap up this episode, I wanted to share this story with you. My cousin went to the Chicago bears Packers game week one at Lambeau and left at halftime. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Was so upset. Finally, the next morning, he texts me. He goes, hey, you can punch me the next time you see me. We left at halftime, and we drove in complete silence all the way back to Milwaukee and then turned on the TV, and the game (laughs) was going on in the fourth quarter. But uh, I I had to share that story with you because that's actually part of one of my favorite memories, too, is my cousin, the dumbass, leaving (laughs) at halftime. But I can only imagine after that Khalil Mack pick six, I'm just fuming, but this probably arguably one of the best games at Lambeau. One of the greatest games I think that I can remember watching. That was that that game was unbelievable. And to leave at halftime, I don't know if I could ever forgive myself for that. And honestly, like I'm, I'm like punitive. Like I will, I regardless of how bad a game is, I will sit and watch, and it'll be torture. But I will watch the entire game just because you have to. You just you never, ever know. But I, as we wrap up, hey, thank you so much, Tanner, for being a part of the Unknown Packers podcast. I'd actually like to do this a lot more. I felt like there was a, there was a natural ease to conversation, and I definitely respect um, your point of view and all the work that you've done for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, once again, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, and all that stuff? Yeah, no problem. I'm on Twitter at uh, at Green19Packers. Uh, 
can read all my uh, game previews and other articles at green19packers.com. Well, um, a little tr- bit of a tradition. You're going to have to say your name. I'm Bryce Christensen. I'm Tanner Dunkel. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast.